0: Welcome to episode three of Salute to Strength, the Building Veteran Healthy Communities podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Nettie. I'm a Navy nurse and a graduate public health student at UNC Chapel Hill. Today, I sit down with Luke and Bethany Brick and discuss their experiences. Luke is a Marine Corps veteran who transitioned from the military a year ago. His wife, Bethany, worked on the Building Veteran Healthy Communities project and graduated with her Master of Public Health degree from UNC Chapel Hill in 2022. Although they had what they thought were adequate support systems before getting out of the military, things quickly began to fall apart. Their experiences showcase the importance of a community-led effort in assisting veterans and their families, especially during the first year after transitioning from the military. Let's dive into this week's episode with Bethany and Luke. Bethany and Luke, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more about your experiences and how it relates to our focus of veteran healthy communities. Luke, can you tell me a little bit about your background in the military? Uh, When did you join and what was your job?
1: Yeah, um, so I joined in uh, July of 2015. I joined on an infantry conference. Contract. I was a 0341 mortarman. Um, So if, if anybody doesn't know what, what that is, it's mortars are like the little uh, man portable artillery. Um, It's part of the uh, generally company or battalion uh, IDF assets. Um, So I did that for my, my first enlistment. Um, And after that first enlistment, I wasn't, I wasn't super sure, you know, what, what I wanted to be when I grew up, Um, wasn't really ready to, to leave the Marine Corps um but my you know some some health issues and some joint deterioration kind of you know determined for me that I needed to uh, make a make a break from the infantry side of things so I went ahead and uh, transitioned to uh, to be a career planner um which is kind of like a recruiter or you know every, every career planners are shoot me for this but it, it, it's basically a recruiter for people that are already in um you know, helping people determine their options and, you know, kind of influencing people to to stay or, or get out or, or whatever the case may be. Um and that was absolutely miserable. Uh it's just office work, it's not for everybody. And I learned that one the hard way. So um so yeah, uh I got out about a year ago. Right coming up actually like four days four three hundred uh Right? So 361 days ago.
0: Um, Okay.
1: So, um, congratulations. Oh, I appreciate you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bethany, tell me a little bit about yourself and when did you meet Luke and your experiences uh, as a military spouse?
2: Well, I (laughs) find it funny to call myself a military spouse sometimes because I've been there since before the military. So it's kind of weird. Um, going along with it, well, you know, seeing that he wanted to join, we met junior year, the end of sophomore year. Of high school. We started dating junior year, mm-hmm. um, kind of
0: of high school,
2: the, of high school, yes, high school.
0: Wow, okay, high school sweetheart, very good. Yes,
2: <laughs> as cheesy as that is,
0: but <laughs> but I'm um, still together, still together yeah,
2: after yeah, how many years true. now? Oh God, uh, um, we started dating in
1: 2013. He started dating uh September seventeenth of two thousand thirteen. Okay, he's showing me up.
0: But No, it's, we're it's, almost it's, at the ten year uh, mark. What that's a milestone. So yes. congratulations.
2: Well thank you. It's been a it's been a long one. <laughs> but it's <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> no. Um yeah, so we I mean we were we were dating and towards the end of junior year, I guess was about the time you were looking at the death and
1: Yeah, I think I'm um uh, I think I enlisted August of 14. It was right after my
0: birthday because my parents didn't want to stop.
2: you were
1: 18. That was the delayed
0: yeah, the delayed entry program. Oh, so you were in the delayed entry program.
1: Okay. Yeah, so so actually, I mean it worked out because it took like a I was in the, the delayed entry program for like a year. Um and so, you know, everybody you know, nobody thinks about it, but you signed an eight-year contract on enlistment, you got four years active and then the four years inactive reserve. Um, So my yeah, kind of towards my active reserve time. So when I got out, I actually broke broke totally clean with no IRR times.
0: That's nice. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so so he you you went off to boot camp in July, 2015. We had just graduated high school. Um, I was I had been rowing in high school actually so I got a rowing scholarship to UNC and that was my plan ended up at UNC um for that so I did two years at Chapel Hill um and that was nice well it was nice for me because my boyfriend was at Lejeune but it was not super nice for him and that he had to drive you know of from Jacksonville to Chapel Hill pretty often and I because I didn't
0: What's have Three or four hours.
1: Where, was, here's like, here's like
0: two and a half. wags on.
2: Okay,
0: well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not two and a right. half is all right. right. Still, still enough to to be a bother.
2: Yes, I okay. I remember. I mean, it, I remember it was rough because I went, you know, I started school in in August, and he started boot camp in July. So he was in boot camp for three months, and we were. It, I mean, it was kind of fun. It was the quintessential, like, oh, we're writing letters back and forth, and I would get a little envelope in my mailbox at school, and I'd be laying in my dorm room writing letters back to my boyfriend in, in boot camp. Everybody thought it was adorable, and I'm sitting here like, it's not that adorable. It's it's annoying, but, you know. <laughs> oh. You know, we everyone, to- everyone,
0: meanwhile, is texting their boyfriends. Yes,
2: and- or, you know, going to parties and, you know, stuff like that, so. Yeah. So that I mean that was interesting, but I mean we were both so busy that you know I I I was on the division one rowing team and that was a lot and yeah literally in boot camp. So I mean you know, we just found time to write letters back and forth and and that was fun. So I remember counting down the days till graduation and we made the trek down to Paris Island and I, you know, everybody was rooting for me and rooting for us and stuff. So that was fun. Um there was like some, some personal things that happened in my family sophomore year. And I ended up actually leaving Chapel Hill, um, after my sophomore year and transferred over to UNC Greensboro, which was an online program in, um, getting my bachelor's in public health. So so that was, that was what was better for me at the time. But, um, I think we got engaged at the end of Years. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. two two years so after my after I left Chapel Hill we got engaged in
1: preferred So that was How are you, as you referred to the, the UNCG program.
2: Oh. It had to have been at, at Chapel Hill because I remember everybody on the rowing team was so excited that we were engaged. It was twenty it was twenty sixteen we got engaged. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. So we got engaged <laughs>
2: in December 2016. Yeah,
0: okay. And you were still at Chapel Hill then?
2: Yes, I was still at Chapel Hill, and I remember that was super weird because you know everyone's in college and undergrad, and I'm getting engaged. I remember that was right. super weird. I was not prepared for it, it at so all. We teamed through us a little, engagement they did, they, we had a little engagement party. Yep. and and that was a lot of fun but i remember Mm -hmm. just being like walking around with like a like an engagement ring on my finger, like what the heck and i was like oh my gosh we're becoming like the quintessential military couple you know and and it was just weird because i couldn't
1: qualify it to people like no we didn't we didn't meet
2: meet right we didn't meet four days ago at the bar like we you know i didn't i'm i'm not from jacksonville i'm not down here at the base with him like like we've been together for years now, you know, we always had to like justify ourselves.
0: I'm sure you had to explain yourselves a lot.
2: (laughs) Yes. So I remember that was, I mean, that was just like a fun little rough time. You know, he was trying to figure out the military. I was figuring out school and we were figuring out being engaged and that was weird, but everybody, I mean, everyone was generally happy for us other than me feeling self-conscious about it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you got engaged. You started at UNC Greensboro. uh, Online. And that was online.
2: Yep. So I was able to move down with him and I, and he was still at Camp Lejeune. So I moved to Camp Lejeune with him and we got an apartment together. First, we did move in with our friends that were living on base um, for a little bit. And then,
0: and then we.
2: Don't tell everybody we courthouse married. <laughs> it's still <laughs> hush-hush, but secret, court- secret courthouse marriage. <clears throat> in the end, of
1: classic military. So exactly. there's nothing yes, wrong yes, with that. A really nice. Uh,
2: there was
1: a really nice beach mural at the courthouse. You know, <laughs> like a nice what now? Sorry, a nice, a really nice beach mural. You know, it was. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So you by destination years. wedding. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. So so that was fun we actually we had planned you know since since the engagement we we were planning on a wedding in 2018 and then fall
1: of 2018
2: 2018, and hurricane florence happened and
1: your deployment got moved to the left right we weren't so i think we were planning on that and then we we ended up bumping the wedding because we weren't exactly sure when we were gonna kick off and then it turned out that we would have like Hurricane Florence came through and mm-hmm. our wedding got pushed like a month and a half to the right.
2: Either way, we, we had to reschedule our wedding um and push it back to after his deployment, which was was it No. It was Alpha. That was, was the uh, <laughs> yeah, back time. So anyway, so we ended up getting married in May of twenty nineteen officially wedding ceremony. Okay. Um, so we were secret married for like two years. a family, the family wedding, wedding was in 2019.
0: And did Before anyone it know that you were married? Uh, we
2: we told our parents and our like, yeah, like our immediate our, our immediate family, but yeah, they still joke about us of like which wedding anniversary. Like you yeah, your real one or your fake one? You know.
0: Well, which one do you celebrate?
2: Secretly. Hmm. Um, um, we like to say cuz cuz by celebrating the courthouse when we had 2 years yeah. on to our marriage so oh, this November will be our 5 year wedding anniversary is right. how we think about it
0: well that's exciting yeah yeah
2: got to plan something for that that's right <laughs> so I, yeah so we just kind of had like i guess we started out not the super typical meet each other when you're already in the military, I used to kind of joke with people and say, like, yeah, if I had met him once he was already in the Marine Corps in the infantry, like, with all of his boys, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> just because, I mean, they're just, you know, y'all are a mess. So, y'all are a that's, that's,
0: that's the Marines for you. Yeah. Marine Corps, yep. Love so, it.
2: I feel, like I, I feel like I held you down a little bit.
0: But you are still there for each other now. So, yep it's gotta be another way to do it yeah and so luke um and you said that you got out 361 days ago is that right yes sir all right so we are almost there at the year anniversary uh could could both of you describe uh your transition back where were you when you got out of the military and kind of? Tell me a little bit about those first uh, few months, maybe before you got out and after you got out. Um. So when when
1: I got out, we were in uh, we were out west at the the Mountain Warfare Training Center in Bridgeport, California. Um, very small base. Just, I mean, honestly, just a. There's not very many places I've been in the Marine Corps that like. I would definitely go back still in a heartbeat, but honestly, Bridgeport was uh really um really a solid place. It was just a super small, like, I think we had like a hundred and ninety something enlisted uh personnel on the base. Um it's wow. really really small, very, very remote. Um up in the Sierra's kind of between I mean really equidistant between uh Tahoe and Yosemite. Um so really a, a beautiful area, but um I you know. 3,000 miles from home so yeah um and where's home again Luke uh we grew up we both grew up you know more or less around the Winston-Salem area of North Carolina okay okay so, um, so I mean so I was I was a career planner I was one of one for the base so the last kind of few months of the transition out were um I, you know I, I don't i don't know that in the last few months i don't know that i had like an atypical experience but you know being kind of one of one on the for the installation um not really a lot of really a lot of time to to manage the transition so much as much as yeah as much as would it be ideal i guess um so a lot of people go to trs and then, you know from from that installation, obviously, there's not a uh, a TRS class that gets put on because there's you know maybe three or four people a month that transition out. Um, yeah, what is but, what is TRS for our listeners? Oh, the uh, like transition readiness seminar, like the um, you know, it's kind of, I mean, I, I guess I kind of have a cynical view of it, but it, it's sort of like the the Marine Corps check mark on like, okay, we did our due diligence. Are you okay. Just so it's
0: kind of like taps. Is it similar to taps or, yeah, 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 or yeah. TGPS? Is what it's called now? Okay. But yeah, it's at
1: least in my you know I don't know what's changed since I left, but that was my era's taps. Um, okay. So instead of you know a lot of a lot of our guys would go down to Pendleton or 29 Palms to to go to like the in person TRS uh, class. There's also an online option. That I know from personal experience, you can more or less click through uh, on in, in a four-hour afternoon between doing your job and whatnot. So, um, not uh, you know, that's probably on, a good chunk of that's probably on me, but you know, well, you didn't really have much option, many options, right? To uh, yeah, I mean, to go to was, the in-person, right? No, I mean, it was it was it was explicitly not an option to go to the in-person uh, for me, and it was just like you know, it's just. Everything I say, everything's undermanned. Um, when I got to Bridgeport, there was like a, a nine-month gap between the me and the last crew planner that they'd had, uh, and I, we did not overlap with me and the, the crew planner that followed me, so, you know, it's not like it's not like I can, it's not like you could just kind of piece out and, like, lock your office door and be like, hey, I'm doing TRS. Like, it's not, that's not kind of a thing. So, um. I mean, honestly, I'd call the transition like chaos because, because, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I wasn't available to to manage it the way that would have been ideal, um, and then our plan. I mean, as as any good plan in the Marine Corps does, felt to shit immediately. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I mean, we 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 got out. I think it was about a, more or less a week before physically collecting my DD-214 and leaving. We found out that um, we're, we're our plan originally was to, to go back to North Carolina, move in with uh, with these family, um, and I was going go, uh, to go to the EMT program at the, the community college that was down yes. close to them in Charlotte. And we found out like a week before collecting my DD-214 and getting on the road, that um, her her dad had had a, a change of jobs. And so mm-hmm. they were moving. Um, so we were just kind of, you know, totally, totally kind of up in the air just really on.
2: And there wasn't a time frame on that. It was, you can come here, you know, know you're driving, you're about to leave and drive across the country, come here, sleep here. Yeah. Or, sure. s- right. right. We right. might be leaving in two weeks. We might be leaving in three months. Who knows?
0: That work. Right, and you've got it. to ship your stuff somewhere. And It's like, do you do you unload all that stuff at your parents' house? Do you what do you do? <laughs> yes, it wasn't another option. Like it was, it was um
2: because you were already enrolled in school. You'd already paid
1: school, yeah. um, and and like the whole, you know, you probably know that that the GI Bill certification process and and that whole thing had already been completed for this one specific school. Right. I was actually yeah. being let out early. From my like, I actually got like two months. I got out like a couple months prior to when I theoretically should have gotten out. Um, I had like a like an early release for education or a specific school, so it wasn't really an option to to switch schools. And even if it was an option, it really wasn't because we didn't have anywhere else to go. I mean, yeah. it really wasn't. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of other
2: options. We we couldn't suddenly take on rent somewhere right because right i left my job
1: you left your job and yeah my plan was was more or less uh to live with her family
2: no i have to pay rent not
1: you know not paying rent for the the four months that i was in my uh my emt program i finished that and immediately started working and we lived off of the gi bill and you know what was i think and still think i mean for for what we knew was definitely an adequately planned savings but um you know with with our, our dog long story short our dog got cancer we ended up doing a bunch of scans and a bunch of medications and a bunch of a bunch of stuff before we figured out what was actually wrong um i think we probably dropped four or five thousand dollars on uh his treatments and really just kind of uh you know it, it was a huge expense that we weren't planning on on yeah. top of on top of budgeting with basically nothing right on top of budgeting off of the gi bill and yeah uh, and, and also finding out kind of at the same time that the housing arrangement that we had planned on was not going to be really even a medium-term option like we knew it wasn't a long-term option but we mm-hmm. had thought that we could it was going to be a, at least a, a good year to six months
2: i hadn't really been looking for a job because i was finishing up the, the fall so we, we left in july and that fall like in august was the beginning of my last semester of my master's
0: degree yeah so i was like okay and you finished your master's degree at unc right
2: yes i came back to public health gillians yep for my master's in public health and i had been working on that out in bridgeport um you know in california and that was working with my schedule it was great the time difference allowed me to go to work in california and do my classes in in the evening you know um through gillings and that that was wonderful. And I'd been planning all along, like, you know, normally you graduate in the spring, but I had been really working hard so I could graduate in the fall because I knew that Luke was getting out in the fall of twenty twenty two. And, you know, I'd have my degree done. He'd be out of the military. We would both find fresh jobs. And so I I hadn't even really been job hunting because I was tied up with finishing up a degree and thought
1: while working
2: full time. And I thought, you know, we'll sit we'll We'll be at my parents' house. I can finish my degree and I can start job hunting. So that kind of all hit us, you know, in the
0: middle of July, yeah.
2: that that was not going to be a sufficient plan.
0: Yeah. Anymore. And how long were you at your parents' house until you guys had to move?
2: We got there right. the very beginning of August, and we, I mean, we, we were functionally
1: out by November. Yes. Okay. Like we had a mattress over there yes. while everything was being moved out there. Um, yeah. But we ended up. Cool. Well, we ended up. Um, so my parents, I mean, luckily, honestly, my parents had um, a, we had like a vacation house growing up, up in the mountains in Allegheny County uh, on the Virginia line that we really never used. Like we, we came up here, you know, maybe a, totaling a couple weeks out of the year um and so when we found out like you know our, our housing just fell through it was it was kind of like okay do we look into moving up here or be homeless so um we came up here and scoped it out and you know as with any extremely extremely rural property that sits unattended for long periods of time it was in a condition uh a generous way to put it um, it, I mean, it was just like, just the normal stuff. Like that. There's, there's some, some water stuff that goes on. There's mice. So we ended up having to, uh, kind of gut it, honestly. Functionally mm-hmm. really gut the property while, while, yeah, when I was in school. First things first, we ripped all the flooring out because it was carpet very I mean, very old carpet that was kind of mouse infested. There was mouse everywhere. Um, so we, and we came up one weekend, I think we spent like, a good 30 hours over the course of a weekend, just gutting carpet, gutting padding, taking, I mean, anything that had any trace of, of mouse poop, we tried to remove. Um, and, and literally pitched a tent in the master bedroom. Um, cause there wasn't, I mean, the floor wasn't, we're, we're on subflooring. So yeah. And we, we did that for because pretty much. In between I guess September and the first week of November, we had a tent pitched in the master bedroom came down and slept on a mattress on I the floor more or less at her parents' house um
2: and every time we came up, we would bring like a couple boxes that we could fit in our one car or, like yeah, yeah, driving up <laughs> how long was that? Uh, an hour and
1: a half, hour and a half or so,
2: yeah, hour
1: or so. A
2: half, up from Charlotte. So.
1: Oh wow! I it borders South that's... Carolina to Allegheny and borders Virginia, um, and that's what we did. We we you know we had uh, I had class and tests and one whatever. And I mean, honestly, in retrospect, like I do, only, I, I would do a little bit differently. My plan was to get out, not think about it, be as busy as possible. So I I took I think twenty two like twenty two semester hours of classes um, to try to just be as busy as possible. And then it turned out that I was a terrible mistake because I had i you know I planned I was going to go to class and 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 the week and have the weekend to just keep my studying and homework and blah 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 blah, and then the weekends ended up being entirely consumed by um this house up here was going to be in a livable condition by the time we had to be out down there
0: um so yeah, I' mean chaos Mostly yeah, that crazy. sounds incredibly challenging. And um, Bethany, you uh, were at UNC Gillings, uh, the School of Public Health, and you worked on the Building Veteran Healthy Communities Project, the same project that um, this podcast is about. And so tell me a little bit about your experience working on the project. How has that impacted your, your thoughts on being a, a veteran spouse and what um, you know, I, I know you had support structures, you know, your family and, you know, had savings. And um, Luke, I imagine you had a um, an honorable discharge so that helps. Uh, but what are some things that maybe could have gone better? And what did you learn from the project that gave you insight during this time?
2: Right. Yeah, I, I remember coming across the so the, like solicitation job posting for the BBHC project the December of twenty-one, I think, or January first of twenty two, somewhere around there, the very beginning of the year. And I was so excited about it. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is perfect. This is we're about to do this exact thing, you know, we're about to really be transitioning and I firmly believe that, you know, there probably needs to be help with this. I mean, you've had a bunch of buddies that have gotten out already. Like they did one enlistment usually and they struggled and yeah, we've seen it secondhand. We hadn't seen it firsthand. Um, And I, I just remember being so excited. I was like, this is perfect. I'm so excited that, you know, that we're taking a public health approach to addressing this because it's all rooted at, you know, upstream factors. It's not, everyone thinks it's just, once you get out and you're in the civilian world, the problems begin. And that's not necessarily the case um, that we were seeing, but I, I got the job, um, you know, with BBHC. And I, I kind of dove headfirst first in that. Um, and then as the actual EAS came up and we were getting out of the military and we were juggling movers and planning for things going down, uh, down the road and i started like it started to become real you know i i yeah. read a lot and i talked with the people on on the team read a lot of the research they're compiling and they were finding you know they found that the most vulnerable time for transitioning service members is that first year
1: um yeah.
2: you know we brought together the project with seeing what mental health crisis we had on our hands with with the military with veterans specifically um and kind of like why you know why is this happening and we were quickly drilling down to how much it was happening and then you know kind of toying with what are some big overarching factors that were causing it to happen and we never really drilled down and hit the nail on the head exactly what it was we've seen so many like interplay of different factors and you know, it was all very academic at first. It was all very theoretical. And we were just talking about it, theory, blah, blah, blah. You know, July hits. It is no longer theoretical. Yeah. It it really hit home in not a great way. I yeah. was very much struggling with my mental health. Um, just seeing how much, like you said, we, we had had this whole plan put together. Both of our families were, you know, home in North Carolina. They were so excited for us to be coming home and things like that. And everything just started to fall apart. It just felt like we, we didn't, we didn't know what we didn't know. And we were not adequately prepared for how absolutely shitty it was going to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, Oh, it really felt like over that few months, we just like, almost like distance ourselves distanced ourselves from our family and you know just people in our community because it felt like they didn't get it. And so we just kinda of had each other. And the more and more that we realized like it's just it's just the two of us. It's us against the world. You know, it was just hitting home because you'd always been a part of this military community and you'd always had, you know, you'd you'd PCS, you'd have a change of duty station and you'd move, you'd arrive there and there'd be people ready to um, tell you all about like where you need to go eat, where's the grocery stores, you know, um, what, what the schools are, what, what, where's hiring, if you need a job, you know, things like that. And suddenly that entire community just poofed is completely gone. And, you know, my parents don't know who's hiring. They're not looking, you know, they have jobs, you know, and they, you know, I think they had a church and, and, and that's fine, but they, They didn't, you know, they're older than us. They don't go out in the community and like find people their age and like, you know, go out drinking or, you know, whatever you do as a normal person with a social life, I guess. And and so it just it was very weird to suddenly not have any sense of community at the same time that we felt like all of these problems were coming down hard on our head and nobody seemed to notice. We just kind of felt I mean, we we had so many like late night conversations just are you asleep no okay like you know and why are we invisible right now why you know why is this happening why did our dog get cancer like right away like this is the worst time this could happen you know oh i mean the, the car has this check engine light on the car's not working Our one vehicle because we sold the other one before we came across the country yeah
1: i mean maybe it's like it for everybody i'm not trying to sit here and like play the world's no. smallest violin but it was really an exercise in murphy's law. like if it could go wrong like you better damn believe it's gonna.
2: Yeah. Really was just like you'd fix one thing and the next thing was broken. And I mean, we didn't have our our stuff. Our stuff was packed up at the beginning of July. Right. We didn't have our stuff till the end of October.
1: Yeah, it was wild. Yeah.
2: I mean, we had what we fit in our Hyundai Elantra with our three pets. That's all we had.
1: It fit in the trunk.
2: It just fit in the trunk. We we had it with us. We had a rooftop bag, but. Oh, yeah. But it, it, it got, it honestly got for me more and more difficult to work on the BBHC project because it, it was, like I said, it was no longer theoretical and it was no longer happening to somebody else. And I'm studying it. I was living it and I didn't really intend to. You know, I, I thought that we were going to be the anomaly and everything was going to be fine because I'm on this project. I've seen I've seen what can go wrong and we're going to avoid that. And uh, it and that that was not the case because, you know, you just can't hold that much control. I mean, we. The military taught us that, you know, it's the military and everything's going to go wrong because of the military, and that was. Our parents joke all the time if something went wrong, they were like, Oh, when you guys get out, it's gonna be so much
1: better. Yeah, I think that's that's the lesson is that like Mercury's ball, like once it touches you at one point, like it's it's with you for a while.
0: Yeah. And it's that's yeah. Everything. So things are gonna go wrong even outside of the military and you don't have those support structures that you used to have. Right. Hmm. Thanks for sharing that. That's Sounds very challenging, but here you are now, almost a year out, and things are going a little bit better. Is yes? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Things have definitely been improving. There was a
1: very dangerous few months there, but hey, we're definitely over the hump. It's just one of those things. I mean, it's, it's just like, I mean, it's they don't call it transition for no reason. Like it's it's a huge huge change. Like it's we I mean, were we were talking about it earlier. And it's hard to imagine. Like a civilian equivalent, sort of like, you know, not to be hyperbolic, but like getting out of prison, like it, it's hard to imagine a more stark contrast between I mean, the world you've been living in and the world you've been experiencing, and and how life works for you. And then it's just it's just 180 degrees, completely different on the other side. Yeah. Overnight. Yeah. um There is no like your sergeant's not there, your gunny's not there, your captain's not there. Figure it out. Face it for
0: yourself. You know, it's it's yeah. like you a family. Figure it out. Um, do you think, Luke, do you think that some of the things that you learned in the military helped you prepare for this you know, year that's been filled with lots of unexpected things?
1: Oh, I mean, absolutely. I think, um, you know, <laughs> just having, like, the experience for perspective. It's all, I mean, honestly, for me, it was all a matter of perspective. Like, you know, yes, this sucks. Like, I just, you know, I did a a 40, 50 hour week at school between class and and studying and homework and tests and et cetera, et cetera. And then, all right, let's turn around and and fix a house on the weekends. Learn how to fix a house. Learn how to fix a house while in the process of fixing a house. While taking our... Picking up our dog, can't walk anymore. Yes, carrying carrying the, walk. the dog out to, to I mean, it, it, you know, as bad as it is, you know, my thought process, okay, well, I'm not having a heat stroke on the June. I'm not, you know, at nine and a half thousand feet in Bridgeport, sleeping in a tent at negative 11. Like, it's not, like, it's all, it can always be worse and it has been worse. Uh, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to die. So just, let's figure this out, I man. It just has to be, that has just. I mean, I think the attitude, um, and I can't, I mean, I can't speak to everybody's experience in the Marine Corps, but, um, I think the, the, the Marine Corps and the infantry side of the Marine Corps specifically does a really good job of like vaccinating you against hardship, more or less. Like, you know, you're going to experience, um, you're going to experience some hardship and, and I think that's just what that's what it is, and that's the one of the huge benefits of uh, of the military as a whole is, you know, allowing you to experience hardship in a controlled environment, um, so that you can kind of feel the pressure and feel what that's like, so that you can take it with you on the outside and and just like understand that you can do it. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of like,
0: you know, put your chin up and your chest out and figure it out. Yeah, and it's really good that you had each other, I can imagine that, you know, if you weren't in a relationship like you two are, it would have been much more difficult. No, oh, it would have been possible. I mean, I, I can only speak to myself, but
1: it would have been possible. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I can say that for, for a fact. My experience with the military as a whole would have been a yeah. so Yeah. Um, been a lot of talking. You
2: have to do a lot of talking. You have to do a lot of, I mean, that sounds cliche and that sounds like, you know, couple therapy and stuff. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know, but you really, I mean, you just have to like acknowledge that we're both going through mm-hmm. tough times, you know, and like, if yeah. someone lashes out about something, like you need to sit down and you need to talk about it. I mean, you need to figure out like what's happening. I mean, thank mm-hmm. goodness.
1: You're not, you're not, it's, your spouse didn't lash out at you, but so like, right. they lashed out at the situation and you just happened to be there.
0: Yeah, I've been there. (laughs) Absolutely. What, um, so both of your experiences highlight how we need to improve support systems for veterans during their transition and for their families. What kinds of resources, you know, looking back a year ago, do you think would have been the most helpful?
1: Maybe the only thing I can think of really is like if there was some sort of way that like, like county VSOs, county like veteran service officers um, that are there at the county level had some sort of notification system that like alerted them like, Hey, this, this person is transitioning out of the military and they're, you know, in route to your County or whatever. Um, and kind of be able to almost replicate like the, like if you, if you've PCS and you kind of get that like welcome packet or whatever, that's like, Hey, you know, yeah. welcome to, to so-and-so and, and, you know, we're happy to have you here and this is this is where you should get groceries. like kind of what we were talking about before yeah. where like this is where you should get groceries and this is tiring and you know these are the like the veterans groups in your area because honestly i mean yeah we have everybody has a vfw a and stuff but like our generation like me and your generation of of service members and, and veterans don't have nearly as much in common with like the Vietnam era veterans as we do with each other. Um, but there's not, you know, the VFW is, is very, very geared towards older folks. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if it's <laughs> a thing when we graduate over the VFW as we also get mm-hmm. old um, or if, or if we hear something out. Um, but I mean, really it's, matter of like the fundamental thing is community Um, and
2: being seen being seen as somebody new to the community and right you you do matter like you're here you're here with a purpose you know you showed up because you
1: are doing a certain job or whatever right um and so
0: yeah i mean yeah when i when i talked to uh amy and dr upshaw um couple of weeks ago, we talked about how uh, Dr. Upchard mentioned how a pastor in a church had just asked who was a veteran and like 200 people stood up and it was so many people that he didn't even know had served in the military. And so kind of what we gathered from that is that really it starts with just an awareness of the community members of who who has served and so they can actually help you um the best way that they can. And then you know we talked also about the green zone training, which is something that UNC has and some other colleges and maybe businesses. I'm not exactly sure, but just kind of helps community members become a little bit more culturally competent with helping out veterans or active duty or their spouses right
2: yeah i mean i i think like luke said earlier it's kind of weird it's such a disconnect between military and civilian world that i mean i witnessed it myself in dating a military guy you know in college and half of my friends had like never been around anybody in the military it was you have this very quintessential like picture of what the military is and if you're close to it, that's how it is. And so I feel like civilians, a lot of times, I mean, I say civilians, like we're not civilians, but, um, you know, they have this idea of like, oh my gosh, thank you for your service. Like, that's great. Like you guys are amazing. Blah, blah, blah. And and frankly, that's annoying, but you know, it, it it is this disconnect of, you don't really know what we're going through and like, you don't really get it. Like you, you think it's this gorgeous picture, but I mean, we were talking about earlier that like half the time when people are getting out of the military, it's not it sure they chose to get out sometimes, but it's not necessarily like this big happy thing. And but everyone, I mean, everyone that we talked to was like, Oh, are you so happy to be out of the Marine
1: Corps? And, yeah. And well, I mean Yeah. There's plenty of people that are somewhere between the twelve page and a hard place on getting out. Like it's not the happy it's not like yeah, I mean you know the outside world's not what you would like it to be, but also staying in is not gonna cut it. Right.
0: But right. I,
1: I think I think Yeah, I mean it, there's just a huge disconnect between what what you know civilian so I mean there's but there's really not, I mean I I mean again maybe it's me being cynical, but I don't know that there's so much of a fix for that. Like I can't I can I can't snap a person who's never served or never been um you know adjacent to someone who served i can't snap you into my brain and, and show you what it's like and show you why why your question of oh aren't you so happy to get out doesn't make a lick of sense i you yeah. know what i'm saying there's just no way to make you understand it because it's just entirely different world a different community a different like existence um i mean i think i think ultimately like i mean it's probably not the answer that most people want but um. I think if there's a solution to be, to be had to this sort of problem, it has to be veteran-led. Like, yeah. someone who's at least aware um, of how it works. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. And I know that's definitely not the answer that most people want because there's a lot of civilians out there that really do want to help, um, you know, and,
0: and want to be part of that solution. I just don't. I think it's. I think it is a a multifaceted solution, right? I, I don't think that there's a one, a one fix for the the public issue of veteran mental health issues, right? I I do agree that veterans should definitely lead a part of this. And you mentioned that veterans that are in our age range don't really have like a our equivalent of a VFW so much in a lot of communities. And I think that would be really beneficial is having some sort of social group where you can you know, chat with other veterans and um, that are your you know, similar age and have gone through the same similar experiences. Because I mean, the military is different than what it was 40, 30, 20 years ago, right? So it's hard to relate uh with with veterans that may may have been in, in a different era. So right. I mean it's it's like we you know,
1: I, I happened um early earlier in the transition I happened to stumble across a couple of Vietnam veterans and, and like you know ended up talking to them for like an hour or so and, and there is a definitely a level of relation there. Um and there's a level of, of relating that's not that's definitely over the level of you know civilians and whatnot um but it's 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 somewhere below like like our first interaction where we found out that we were both in Spain at the same time it's not the same and so yeah
2: means put in perspective Aaron he talked about for days how excited he was that he met you and that you guys could connect over that story and how crazy it was you know small world and stuff i mean he, he told his parents about it and everything like he was just yeah. so excited yeah
1: to, you know you never you never encounter i mean you just i don't know i don't yeah. know if it's a fact like you know however many millions of americans were drafted in the vietnam era versus how many people chose to serve in our era um there's it's just like there's there's less of us as a proportion so it's I mean, it's one of those situations, where, like with social media and stuff, it feels like we should be a lot more connected, but it, it's such a, such a spark sort of route, maybe.
0: Um, yeah. And I, I did talk with Dr. Archer about how, yes, with social media, it feels like we should be more connected, but in reality, uh, we do become more and more isolated. I I love that we had that in common, that we were both uh, stationed in Rhoda at the same time, and. That was the first thing I told my wife, and I, I was so excited about it as well. It's just nice to just have those connections.
2: Yeah, I feel like it's it's kind of hard. I mean, we'll we'll be out in in the community where we're at now, and you know, we see someone, and I'm like, "Do you think he was a vet?" You know, and we we'll we'll notice some people are like, "Hmm," because I I almost see like nowadays it's not as common as it was you know, a decade or two ago to, to really kind of like advertise that you're a vet. Um, I know you certainly don't. Like, I like that example about Dr. Upshaw and the preacher. You know, I don't think you would have stood up. Yeah. If you're going to be isolated out or singled out, you, you will not. Yeah.
0: I'm not going to volunteer. And that, you know, that is also kind of a double-edged sword that, you know, we have this humility where we want to isolate. and And so people don't know People aren't aware that you are a veteran. Maybe you know if you. I don't know. I'm.
1: I don't know. It it, it feels like one of those things where like, if you stand up to it and you stand up and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a veteran. Like you're gonna get like, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too cynical here, but kind of lip service from like older folks that are like, wow, thank you for your service. And then like, okay, thanks. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say to that because I don't. I I didn't do shit. You know. Yeah, young people don't. I mean, it seems like young people our age don't know enough veterans to know, really even enough to make a reasonable
0: conversation or like to know what to ask. Luke, that kind of brings me to my next question, and uh, it's one that I've been asked before. But what would you say some of the stereotypes that you've, you know, seen or heard of? I guess that people incorrectly assume about today's military veterans. And Bethany, you can chime in also with maybe veteran spouses or just to the same question yeah I mean I think I think the, the typical stereotype of um
1: of veterans and and maybe like maybe Marines and and specific is like it, it maybe looks on the outside like a, a very like a very white conservative, you know, rural, um, you know, from a rural background kind of community. Um, And that's definitely not been, um, definitely not been my experience. I think the, I think personally, I think the the Marine Corps is probably a lot more, um, more diverse than the, probably more, more ethnically and politically diverse than the the population as a whole. Um, But I think the stereotypes of, the certain stereotypes definitely in my experience have made people and obviously that I'm you know waspy looking myself um you know have made people maybe comfortable voicing things that should like not be said like if you hold that view you should probably keep it to yourself mm-hmm. um so uh, yeah i th- i think the stereotype is is one thing and and it just goes back to people not really knowing like You know, the only veteran that people, a lot of young people know, is like their, um, yeah, their great grandfather or their like, you know, extremely conservative, uh, Vietnam veteran great uncle. So they assume everybody's like that. It's like
0: Uh, like, that, or like what's on what's on TV or in the movies, maybe. Right. I mean, and and
1: that's just that's just not. This is not the way it is. Yeah
2: i hesitant in some circles to even bring up that I am a military spouse, and especially a lot of times just say military spouse, not, you know, don't mention the Marine. But I was, mm. um, it, I, you know, I, I, my educational background is in public health, and I went to Chapel Hill, I went to UNC Greensboro, and I, my sister went to UNC Asheville, my other sister's at Greensboro now. I mean, it's, My parent, my dad's a pastor, you know, it's just, it's very, we, we come from very different background and, and like our circles that we keep. There's been a couple of times, like when I'm starting a new job or when I'm meeting some people that I, I mean, I know that are from like a more open-minded community. I'm scared almost to say that like, oh, I've been around the military, you know, for the past eight years because my husband was a Marine. Um because yeah. it it almost feels like it's gonna be kind of like a oh, I'm not sure what I can say around you now, or I don't know if we hold the same views on these things. Um yeah. I mean, I've had coworkers that are part of like the LGBTQ community that like are has like hesitate to talk to me when I mention, you know, that I, I was a military spouse and said it. and that that honestly just breaks my heart because that's just not that's not been our experience and i think like you said Aaron like that's kind of what's portrayed on tv on social media i mean we had the pandemic was a nightmare for me personally in public health i kind of moved away from public health thank you covid um just because of how like demoralizing it was so it's just, it is just it it was interesting to see how it the stereotypes like you mentioned have kind of influence people's perception of the military. And I've seen that firsthand and just in almost hiding my identity as a military spouse. Um until I'm until I can make it clear to people that like I can relate to you and I'm not gonna be biased against you or prejudice or anything like that. Like and I just happen to be a military spouse, you know. So it's 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 definitely something that we've seen the stereotypes be um, kind of negatively impacting how we relate to people, especially now that we've transitioned and we're trying to fit in with civilians. And
1: I think the, the Marine Corps is probably more ethnically diverse than the American population at large. And I, I imagine the Navy and the Army are, and the Air Force, can't forget about the Air Force, and the Coast Guard, Space Force. Yeah, I, I imagine more or less everybody's experiencing a similar thing. And I think it's probably a really good thing if you're from a rural uh, background or a, a kind of a um like a, a singular ethnic background to to come to the military and, and experience, you know, and and really like meet some of the best the best friends you'll ever make in your life, Absolutely. who happen to be from a different background, who happen to maybe not bear your same first language or your same religion or your same um you know cultural experience coming up in america i i think that's an extremely valuable experience and i think you know maybe that's gonna move the move the needle a little bit um and maybe maybe the next generation yeah. of of veterans will be assumed to be open-minded and loving mm-hmm. versus uh versus closed-minded
0: um i agree completely i mentioned to uh Dr. Upshaw and Amy, how I felt that being in the military. I'm from a small town as well, and being in the military is I've just been surrounded by so so many people from different backgrounds, different countries, different religions. Uh, just every, I mean, it's so diverse, and I feel like I wouldn't have gotten that experience had I, you know, I was, I know I wouldn't have gotten that experience had I stayed in my small town in alabama and worked as a nurse you know at the hospital it would not have been the same and it's really it's been so beneficial for me and i think it's changed the way that i see the world and in a positive way no definitely definitely it's definitely like a
1: you don't have a you don't have a choice you have to you have to be able to you have to see people around you as as people and not stereotypes because you've experienced it firsthand and know that that's just, yeah. You can't you can't take one person or one experience with a certain group or religion or whatever and, and apply it to everybody. It
0: Doesn't right? Sense. And you're not just working with these people like you're in the field with them, right? Like you depend right. on them in a in a more concrete way. What's <laughs> so that to on them to to cuddle for warmth
1: with like five people in a three man tent in Bridgeport for warmth? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was. Mountain Warfare School, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was extremely close.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, you you definitely create those bonds that are uh, a little bit different if you're just uh, sharing a sharing a cubicle at uh at the office, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. What do you both think that a healthy community looks like as you tra- as now you transition? You're now at that one year mark. What? what does a healthy community look like to you and particularly for veterans and their families? I think, um,
1: maybe just more engaged, honestly, more, uh, centered. Yeah. Other. Yeah. More, more locally centered, more engaged with each other in, you know, some form other than social media. Um, yeah. I've heard it
2: said before and I've, I've, fully believe this but the problems that vets face especially when transitioning are not necessarily only problems that vets will experience like civilians experience these same problems all the time maybe just not in you know as as heavy of a setting or you know as a compacted of a timeline but you know, Like you said, engagement in the community. I mean, we were struggling with a ridiculous housing market when we got out. I mean, there was just no way we could find anything. Um, you know, we struggling to find jobs, struggling with transportation. I mean, we had one vehicle and we both had to be different places. Um, unexpected bills. You, you, just things that if you had a community that was really strong, you could ask a neighbor for help you could say that well you need a ride here or um you know we could meet for dinner and discuss what a rough day we had or something just just some things that that we used to have in the military a community where if you needed something you would ask the neighbor down the street if you you know i ran out of sugar and i'm baking something do you have a cup of sugar you know just things like that that i feel like a lot of times is disconnected in in today's communities and that's kind of why I said more locally centered and even if it's just your neighborhood or yeah where your kids go to school and you guys all carpool or you know stuff like that it's just Mm -hmm. actually having some sense of community and not feeling like you're isolated Um, because you're already going to feel isolated you know you, you you've left the military so you're already feeling isolated but if you can have something anybody you know anybody that you can relate to it during the day or someone said something nice or offered you know to to get a coffee with you and just talk or yeah just things like that i think yeah. you know engagement is huge
1: yeah and i, mean, I it, kind of the the point that you're getting at also i think i think you're absolutely right i think the there there's not so much problems that Transitioning veterans face that civilians don't face. It's just kind of a, a hyperbole of these sort of um that you know it's almost it's almost like a systemic issues where it's working two different directions. It's there's there's a increasing like isolation, I think, in in our communities and and lack of engagement with each other in our communities, while everyone is also facing, you know, economic instability. Um, You know, the housing crisis, the way it is, all the cultural bullshit going on in the news and stuff like that. And it feels like we're simultaneously facing a plethora of issues that have to be overcome while also being more isolated than we have been in the past. So, I mean, it's just, these are systemic issues. And I, I don't think they, I don't think... Damn near any of this is exclusive to the veteran community. Um, I just think the veteran community is more right. Yeah, maybe maybe
0: vulnerable because there's yeah, I think they have uh unique unique issues. and yeah, I agree that uh there's many issues that civilians face that are similar. I mean, the housing market affects us all, you know, the inflation and all of the political and social issues that we face nowadays. And uh, and I agree 100%, Bethany, that just feeling like you're part of a community is so important. And for my wife and I, we've been away from the military community for uh, right at a year now. We're, let's see, July 29th last year is when we moved uh, from the base housing to uh uh out here so to uh chapel hill and it's been we haven't really felt like we've been in a community we've had a few friends and everything but just last week i was i think last monday caroline my wife was just having a bad day at work and we'd gotten a card in the in the mail and it was from a neighbor down the street that we had run into once before and they wanted to, to have us over, you know, for, for dinner. And I mean, it just made my wife's like entire day much, so much better. Just knowing that people care about us and people want to include us. And, and you're not alone. it's so funny. We got there to their house, uh, yesterday, we hung out with them yesterday and they're like, Oh, what do you do? And, you know, what, what's your background? And, you know, told them that I was in the Navy and she's like, Oh, wow. Well, my dad was a Navy veteran. You know, he was in the Navy for 20 years and my brother is a Navy veteran too. And I was like, well, this, this tracks that you want to find this community because you get it a little bit, you know, and you never know until you reach out. Right. Like I would have never known that about, someone that lives three houses down for me. It's just about being intentional and being engaged with the community. Right. For sure. Well, um, thank y'all so much for joining. Thanks for chatting with me tonight. It was really a pleasure to see y'all again and just talk with y'all as fellow military members and, uh, you know, I don't really get to talk to my my friends back. Uh, you know that are that are still serving all over the place. They're busy, and I'm busy and living our our own lives and everything. And it's it's good to chat about this kind of stuff uh, with some some folks that have been been through it. Of course, of course, it was. I mean, I had a good time. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, love, I mean, I love
1: it. Like, just it's yeah. nice to just like talk about it, Yeah. relate about it, yeah.